You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you feel like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hell, I suck at dating. With Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to an all new episode of Help I Suck at Dating. My name is Jared Haben, joined of course every week by the beautiful, the glorious, the wonderful man, the myth, the legend, Dean Unglert, also known as Deanie Babies. Deanie, are you gonna, ever going to change your Instagram handle? Um, I don't plan on it. Would I ever? Why would I? Maybe Deanie Manny's. No, no, nah, no, no. Good. Anyways, we got a great episode for you guys today. <laughs> Uh, we have a couple guests from the podcast, Almost 30, Lindsay and Krista, that will be joining us a little bit later on. Um, but first, uh, and foremost, I think, at least on this week's podcast, is this is the first podcast since Super Bowl 50, whatever the heck it was. Jared, I just want to say congratulations. Thank you you won. I know we talked about this on the live Almost Famous a little bit, but <laughs> I just wanted to extend my heartfelt congratulations to you. I know that you worked really hard for this, so... Um, it was a grind all you know, season, you, you know, buddy. just practice every day. It's all I could ask for, really. Teammates did right, well. They played you. well. Um, I don't think anybody cares about my uh, Super Bowl opinions, unfortunately. Uh, I do love talking sports, though, but uh, thank you. Um, we did want to talk about, obviously, an issue that's going on in the Bachelor world right now, uh, which comes as no surprise, is the Chris Harrison situation. Uh, I know it's kind of weird to switch gears and talk about something that's very serious and, and important. Um, and I know that we're a dating podcast and we're here for an escape and fun. And, uh, I love providing that and we're going to provide it this episode. You know, we have some great guests coming up and we have some of your emails and we're going to talk about dating and everything that we usually talk about. But I do feel both Dean and I feel that it's very important that we start this podcast off by talking about the current Chris Harrison situation, uh, which of course, if you are not aware, Chris Harrison was on an interview earlier this week, uh, with extra with our former bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay. Uh, and he was talking about a new contestant, Rachel, uh, not Rachel Lindsay, but a new one on Matt James season who has uh, some controversial uh, 
um, things surrounding her. Uh, there was a, a pictures of her at an antebellum party on a plantation from a couple of years ago, a sorority party. Uh, she also liked some uh, controversial pictures online, in, in fettering, including a Confederate flag. Um, and um, Chris Harrison spoke about it. Uh, Dean, I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to the interview. Um, I have not. I did. Um, and it's it's disappointing. Um, you know, Ashley and I have talked a lot about it the past couple of days and trying to listen uh, and learn um, and become better, uh, which is something that we've been trying to do for a while now. And I've- so, so, Jared, help me understand, because I keep seeing a lot of my friends and peers and uh, people I look up to say that like it's disappointing uh, and, you know, they're trying to learn from it. I, what exactly was disappointing about it? And again, this is just fu- fully from someone that hasn't watched it or doesn't really like I, I obviously understand the gist of what's going on, but I haven't watched it myself. So what, um, what, like, what was disappointing? Well, you know, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, I would advise everybody to listen to the interview and formulate their own opinions, but also listen and learn to people, uh, specifically people of color who want to talk about this issue and subject and, and, and their own experience with it. Um, you know, he, he, in the interview, they, they talk about how um, 2018 was vastly different than 2021. Uh, I think the most disappointing part for me is listening to Chris just not have the information uh, that he should have. Um, like, for example, he started off the interview saying that, you know, five years ago, there was a picture that came out of, 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 of Rachel at a, at a plantation. And, and it wasn't five years ago, it was 2018, which is obviously a pretty big difference. And um, But regardless, I just, I think it was overall his tone and, and um, you know, the lack of understanding and specifically talking about race to a woman of color uh, and trying mm-hmm. to, um, tell her what he thinks racism is mm. about. I, I, you know, it's Rachel has experienced it. And I think in moments like that, um, it's best to, to listen and learn. Um, Rachel, I thought handled herself really well in the interview. I thought she was elegant. Uh, I thought she, uh, showcased a lot of strength. Um, and, um, you know, Chris is a friend, um, that adds a whole nother layer because, um, he is a friend and it's it's hard um to just you know say that a friend messed up um but he did and he needs to be held accountable for it and um i hope that this is a a a learning lesson for us all i hope this is a teachable moment that we can all um have more conversation around um because i think it's needed and for me specifically, like just speaking upon it, like I, you know, I need to do a better job. Um, I want to continue trying to be as much of an ally as possible and continue to condemn racism and continue to try to evolve or become a be a part of a society that wants to evolve, that wants to be better. Um and uh, I feel bad for Rachel. Uh, I listened to her podcast that I, I posted on my own Instagram a couple of days ago, uh, saying people should listen to it. But it's it's her podcast on the Ringer, and, and she just talks about the the interview that she had with Chris Harrison, and and she just um, it's pretty enlightening. Um, and so I really suggest everybody go listen to her podcast on the Ringer, uh, the episode that came out I think Friday. Um, 
and I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I really hope that I, I know I'm, I'm just like blabbing at this point, but obviously, as you can see, I'm, you know, pretty uncomfortable talking about it. It's an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> to, to have, but that doesn't mean that we should not have it because it's uncomfortable. I think we should have it because it is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. Here's my take on, on everything that I've gathered through my friends and through what you just said just there. Um, again, I haven't seen the interview. I've seen people's reactions to it and I, I understand the gist of it. And I agree with, with basically everything that you said. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's, not, it's certainly not a white man's place to tell a black woman how she should be feeling about any type of racial issue, right? That, that is obvious. But when I think about how, uh, there was a social media post or reaction or uh, or whatever from a contestant as little as three years ago. Here's my experience. And this is the only thing. This is what I was thinking about most of the time that you were sharing that story was when I was thinking about going back on Bachelor in Paradise season six uh, for the, you know, the fourth time in my bachelor stint. This was this was what, 2020. 2020, 2019, whenever it was, whenever I was about to go on 2000 on, on Bachelor in Paradise. 2019, six, I think. I was sure 2019. Yep, that's right. Uh, it was probably around like April, May of 2019. I was considering going back on the show. I was talking to producers, blah 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 blah. I was in China for a week and a half, just exploring China and you know having a blast. And and this was during the whole the whole process of me trying to decide whether or not I was going to go on the show or not. And while I was in the decision-making process, some of the producers, you know, not Chris Harrison, of course, this is, this is, Chris Harrison is, is kind of like a, you know, in my opinion, above this pay grade, right? Like some of the producers would reach out to me and be like, hey, Dean, we found some discriminating things on your social media. And I was like, that's crazy. What is it? And they were like, hey, we see that you, you know, you said the F-bomb uh, five times on your friend's Facebook wall back in 2007. Holy crap. And I'm sitting here saying I was 16 years old and you guys are getting upset with me about dropping the F bomb on a friend's Facebook wall in 2007. I was like, "Listen, I'm in China. I can't even get on Facebook. I'll delete it when I get back, but I'll take care of it, you know, as soon as I'm able to." So, my, th- that all to say, um I think the recourse here is if it, if you're upset about it, which absolutely you should be, you have every right to be, stop watching the show. Like you don't, the, the show doesn't owe you anything. You don't owe the show anything. Like just stop giving your participation, your involvement, your attention, and eventually it'll fade away or it'll fix itself. And once it fixes itself, then you can re recontinue to watch it. But it's like, you know, th- that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I think the rebuttal to that would be for people who who would who criticize the show but continue watching it would be why you know I want the show to be better, and the only way for it to be better is for me to hold the show accountable. So by just not watching it would then you know um, just let them continue doing what they're doing, even though I think the show has been taking steps in the right directions. I, I also don't want to ignore that. Um, right. You know, I, 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 this Chris Harrison interview is, is, is not good. Watching it was, was disappointing, like we said. Uh, but I, I do believe that the show has been trying to take the right steps. Um, and they haven't been succeeding in everything they've been doing. Why are you smiling? Here's my argument against that idea is I don't watch a bad show. I, I, I don't watch a show, a bad show, and think to myself, that's a bad show. How can I 
take action to make it better. If I watch a show and it's a bad show or I don't agree with the 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 you know the message that they're putting out there, my way of contributing to getting that show off of you know the air or whatever way is just not giving it the attention that it doesn't deserve. I was just gonna say I think people like the, the people that are criti- they like the show. They like watching the show. They want the show to continue. They just want the show to change. I just to me it's crazy. Again, I I don't understand to the extent uh, maybe, but to me it's crazy. It's like if you don't like it, then stop watching it. If you like it but you want to change, then stop watching it. Maybe it'll pivot and maybe it'll change. It's like, you know, if you don't like something, then just don't give it the attention it doesn't deserve, and eventually it'll it'll course correct. If it doesn't course correct, it'll fade into obscurity as it should. Like. I don't know. None of us know. And again, we are we are two white guys talking about a racial issue. We have no place to be talking about it. Obviously, as you know, yeah. you know you 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 beat that dead horse too. It's like we are not people that deserve uh, an apology in any sort of way. Like you said, it's you know it's the and the even pe- Rachel when she just so Rachel just spoke after the whole Chris Harrison debacle happened. She finally came out with a statement. You know, weeks after these accusations, and she even says that in her apology, like this is. This is for the people of color who have been offended by my previous actions. And so, like, I, I thought that was worded pretty well. It's not for someone like you and I to really judge whether this apology is acceptable right. or not. It's for people uh, who have been offended by her previous actions. But I agree. Like, I think this leads to a bigger cultural conversation that needs to be had. Um, you know, like, to be completely frank, I didn't know what an antibomb party was until this whole conversation came up. I had to Google it. But again... Like, so I don't know, like, you know, I, I mean, I, there, I'm not going to lie. Like I attended a wedding at a plantation a few years ago and like, it felt weird driving there, but I never, I didn't like stand there and be like, I'm not going to this. It was like, this is kind of weird. And then there were people of color at the wedding and it was like, huh, all right, well, I guess I, I don't know. Like, I, I truly just don't know if this is a, you know, I know, I don't know if this is a good thing. It's a bad thing. I don't know what the hell to think of it, but you know, I'm not really thinking too much of it at the moment. Uh, and then, of course, looking back at it, just like someone like Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, they got married on a plantation, I don't know how long ago, but they came out this year and said that they regretted yeah. having the wedding at the plantation. And so I think, you know, hopefully we can grow and learn and, and have more conversations, even if they are uncomfortable discussing this is how we can get better and this is what we need to do in order to get better. Um, and I really, I really hope that that continues with the Bachelor franchise and with the world as a whole. Right, right. And I, I do agree with what you were saying. Like as Chris, Chris, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call him a friend, but I like Chris. Every time I've interacted with Chris, I've enjoyed meeting him. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think uh, from what I've uh, surmised, this interview that he gave, maybe he was a little too like cavalier with his words. I, I You know, who the heck knows? But like, like you said, it's like you want to stand in your friend's corner here. So it's um, but there is no excuse. There is absolutely no excuse for 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 any type of discrimination whatsoever um, oh of course and- no like i mean to yeah and to piggyback off that point like we want to make it very clear that you know we condemn racism in any and all forms and it's deplorable um so anybody defending any type of racism is something that we vehemently uh are against yeah absolutely but i don't know i i the thing is, again, I don't think it's like I'm glad that we can touch on it and talk about it. I don't necessarily think it's our place to, you know, like, of course, 
I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I, I agree. I don't think it's our place to really judge whether uh, Rachel's apology or Chris Harrison's apology is worthy to be uh, accepted at this point or if there needs to be more done uh, in order to earn forgiveness. Like, that's just not up to us, you know? Uh, like you said, we're two privileged white dudes uh, who don't really have a say in it. But, of course, we want to also be good allies. And and I know that word's been thrown around so much, but it's, but it's true. You know, we have, you know, we've had a lot of, we have friends, you know, who are in the Bachelor franchise, Katie and Mike and, and Tasha and a lot of people uh, who, you know, have to deal with this that, you know, we don't have to deal with. And it's just want to support in any way we can. Um, I just wanted to add one more thing before we move on. And that is Chris is a friend and he's a good man. And he announced that he's going to be stepping aside uh, for a, a period of time. What that period of time is, I have no idea. I think that he's doing the right thing by stepping aside. But I also know Chris and I believe that Chris will be better from this. Um it is a teachable moment. As much as we're throwing that word around, this is really an opportunity for a lot of people to educate themselves, myself included. Um, Chris needs to be held accountable. He needs to do better. And I believe that he will do better. I hope that Chris is not fired. Um, I hope that we can have more uncomfortable conversations like this in the future because as uncomfortable as they are they need to happen as we've seen over the past year um and those are my thoughts so chris is stepping aside uh for a period of time and um i hope he's back um i hope he's better um because we all need to do better and those are really my thoughts about it um like I said, Chris is a friend, and that makes this even more difficult. Because um, while I don't agree with what a friend said, um, you know, I, I I believe that he can be better from this. Um, true, true. Anyways, we have a like I said at the at the beginning, we have got a great episode for you guys. We have the hosts of Almost Thirty coming up next. Um, and then, as we always tend to do, we will jump into some listener emails at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. We will be right back. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, well, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, but not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. 
That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Everyone knows how much Dean and I love to travel, especially after enduring a Colorado winter. I'll take any chance I can to be in a sunny, beachy place right about now. Well, Kaylin, I have the perfect place we can travel to next. In Puerto Rico, there are nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline. And when it comes to photography, the landscape is unbeatable. I think I need to go there for a relaxing vacation before baby number two comes, which is great, but also I'm very nervous. Puerto Rico offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to beautiful black sand beaches. There's no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, welcome back to Help I Suck at Dating. We have two very special guests on the line right now. You know them from the Almost 30 podcast. It is Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsick. Lindsay, Krista, how are you ladies? Oh, we're good. So excited to be here right <laughs> around Valentine's Day. So it's just a dream. I know it's the perfect time to come on a suck dating podcast right around Valentine's <laughs> yeah. We just put out a breakout episode specifically around this time just to like support those going through whatever transition. Mm-hmm. So, well, I don't know about your person. Are you both in relationships? We are now. Oh, yes. okay. Do you have any special <laughs> Valentine's Day plans? For me, so I'm engaged. We will. Congratulations. Um, yeah, and I think once you're engaged, you're kind of like, you know, the gig's up, so we'll probably do sweatpants, order in, hang out, you know, nothing special. I think we used to, we used all of our, like, intense dating experiences the first couple years, and now we just like to chill. No, that's the best kind. That's what my wife and I are going to do. So I'm going to cook for, my, my wife's name is Ashley. I'm going to cook for her. I made a pizza for the first time in my life last week, yes. and I'm going to make the pizza again for her. We're going to have a bottle of wine, and then she doesn't know this, but of course, I'll get her flowers and chocolate and all that good stuff, but it's just going to be a low-key Valentine's Day. I mean, what else can you do during in the COVID times. I know. Exactly. Those exactly. are the best though. And That's whenever so I was nice. out on dates, I was like, I just want to be in my sweatpants at home anyway. So mm-hmm. now to just kind of cut that and just be home is so beautiful. So I love, I love your Valentine's. Well, I feel like uh, sweatpants goes right along with uh, being uh, almost in your thirties, which is what your podcast is all about. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your podcast. So we started Almost 30 when we were transitioning from our 20s to your 30s. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate. It's a time when you just feel like, what the f*** is going on? You know, there's so many questions and fears and doubts around relationships, career, and just like knowing yourself. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about or we talk through the lens of spirituality often and um, as astrologically, it's called your Saturn return. And so this is when... Saturn returns to the spot it was when you were born. And really it's it's helping you to recognize things in your life that really aren't working and possibly not in alignment. And so it's asking you to get 
kind of serious, you know? So a lot of people during this time might switch jobs. They might get married. They might get divorced. They might make a big move. For example, I moved from New York to LA during that time. And so, um, you know, we just, we met each other during that time, related so much and just felt like, wow, these conversations we're having together are just super comforting and healing. And so we figured can't be alone. And Chris was like, you think we can start a podcast? And I was like, I'm so down to try. So we did. And four and a half years later, it's, yeah, it's become a thing. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Yeah. You guys have had super success on it. I think about like my own transition from my late twenties to early thirties. I guess it's probably different for a guy than it is a woman, uh, especially for women that want to have a family, have kids. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have a biological clock that's ticking. Is is that a factor? Like, I, I hear Ashley, my wife, talk about it all the time. And, it, you know, we, we're actively trying to have kids right now. We've been married Aww. for about a year and a half. And it's there's so much more pressure on women than there is men. I, I really feel bad. <laughs> Well, thanks. We'll take that. We'll, we receive your your sympathy. Um, yeah, and I think there's the biological element, and then there's the societal pressures. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was younger, and I think Lindsay as well, a lot of women grow up and they're like, "I want to have kids when I'm 26. I want to be married when I'm 25, and this will be my house, and this will be my car, and this will be my husband, and et cetera, et cetera." And you know, I'm 32, and we're just about to get married, and we're probably going to have kids soon. But your life doesn't always end up the way that you thought or way you planned. So women just feel the pressure to really be the best wife, be the best mother, have kids at a certain time, um, have a beautiful wedding and all these things. So I do feel like women have a lot of pressure. And I think the biological element really plays in for a lot of different women. But, you know, we've had on fertility doctors and people talk about that specific issue around the biological clock. Mm -hmm. And, um, in just hopes of supporting women who may have issues getting pregnant or trying, because I know that's a really hard thing. Oh, totally. My sister, so my sister is, holy crap, I'm third. Okay, she's going to be 35 in June. And last December, um, so not this past December, but a year ago, her and her, fian her and her husband got pregnant. She had a miscarriage. And then there was like complications. So she had to wait three months before trying again. But the problem was my, my brother-in-law's in the Coast Guard. So he's he was going overseas in November for a whole year. So they were trying to get pregnant before he left. And there was so much stress involved yes. because like you said, like she was having so much struggle getting pregnant and she ended up not getting pregnant before they left. And so there's, you know, oh. they're obviously trying alternative ways, but it's pretty intense. Uh, but you know what's funny yeah. is that I feel like as I've gotten older, you know, we always dread like, oh, getting older. You know, I don't want to get older. I don't want to get older. I wouldn't go back. Would you? Totally. Mm -hmm. No, no. I, I, I would happily leave my 20s behind. But um, it is kind of cool to look back because I think, you know, now in my 30s, knowing how much I've grown um, I just feel that much more confident mm -hmm. and kind of have that experience under my belt. Um, I was, I was single for seven years in my twenties and just, uh, I was very much sucking at dating. Um, and you know, just going after the guys that were completely unavailable. And that was a, you know, a testament to just how I felt about myself. Um, and my own worth within relationship. And so what made them unavailable? Um, Were they just in other relationships? <laughs> 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 
Um, no. Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Or they were just could, emotionally unavailable. We'll find out. Sometimes you don't know. Um, but yeah, I... More so emotionally more so, okay. more so just emotionally not there. And I think it was like, it didn't it didn't push me to show up in relationships. So I looked really good. I looked like, you know, the one that was was attentive and connected. And then that didn't allow push me to actually step into, huh, I could be doing even better. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm also like very much a nurturer. So I thought I could like fix them, change them, have them fall more in love with me because of that. So it was, it was pretty, you know, dysfunctional, but, um, <laughs> after that seven years of being very single, um, I really realized that that period of time, which a lot of women find themselves in approaching their thirties is just incredibly sacred. It's like, it's one of those times where you have the opportunity to walk back to yourself. And mm. what I found is that, you know, in the relationship I'm in now, like he is so attracted to that me that, that knows myself, that is connected to myself, that mm. trusts myself, that, you know, is connected to my intuition and so on. So totally. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of guys are attracted to that. But let's talk to somebody who's not in their 30s who just joined us. I, I, I What's up, Dean? Say, you, want to, you, you want to talk about emotionally unavailable. Dean Unger, ladies and gentlemen, emotionally unavailable. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's funny, too. And, and hello. Uh, hello, everyone. It's so great Hi. to see you all. Uh, it's funny, too, that, that this is the time that I decided to pop into the conversation because uh, – as you were describing that situation uh, where you were dating guys that were emotionally unavailable or unavailable for whatever other reason, you know, um, I like to think back to when I was in my early to mid to even like early mid 20s, if that's a thing, <laughs> you know, like 26, 27, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I was Isn't that, that guy. mid to I was late exactly 20s? Yeah, he's like, I'm thinking back to, to yesterday. Early to mid is like 23 or 24. If you're early to mid 20s, early, you know, like 28, 29. Yeah, he's like, you know, this week. Early mid 20s is like 26, right? Early mid. Or maybe that's I, late I say mid. that's mid no, to you're late. Right. You're right. You're right. Early late, early, late 20s is 26, 27. Anyways, that aside... Um, that person that you were just talking about is that's that's me to a T. So I can definitely um, understand where you're coming from. And on behalf of all emotionally unavailable mid twenty year old men in the world, I would like to apologize uh, no, for for any type of uh, uh, frustration we might have caused you at any point. But I mean, it sounds like obviously that's uh, that's the thing. I'm the curious, like yeah, thing. I'm curious looking, you know, for you to look back at that time, like what do you feel was kind of underneath that? Un emotionally unavailableness uh well I, I think i actually know exactly what it is and it's funny because it sounds like it's kind of the same thing that was holding you back for a while until you hit your your 30s or until yeah. you turn 30 was when i was in my mid to early 20s and i'm just gonna keep butchering that i'm so sorry um i just i had no idea who the heck i was i was a, a shell of myself i was the person that i thought my friends wanted me to be I was like doing things that were unlike what I really felt because I wanted to like fit in with my friends. And yeah. I know that's that might be like a late teen thing, but especially like in your early to mid 20s, I think like um, especially moving to L.A. for me personally, this is obviously not for everyone. But for when I moved to L.A. in my early 20s, uh, it was like my identity was like partying with my friends. And that's not an identity. That's not like a characteristic. That's not like a you know, a quirky trait that is just, that is nothing. And so I was like hiding behind this like party persona. 
Um, and I think that's, that is, in my opinion, the biggest reason why I was like emotionally unavailable at that age up until I turned like probably 27, 28, because I was hiding behind this person that was like, I just want to party with my friends every weekend. And that's like, that's not, I mean, it's, it's fun and it's fine and there's nothing against it, but it's like, yeah, you're just a guy in his like early that, to mid twenties yeah. who was 28. Like yeah. was- Guys, I, it's so funny. Like I always felt like got, like women are dating and we're kind of looking for the partner. We're looking for husbands a lot of times. And guys, it's like, as soon as one person gets married, like a few guys in the, in the circle or in their friend group have to get married, then they're like, maybe I should get married. And then they're like, <laughs> who's around and we'll get married. It's like guys get married when they see their friends getting married. Whereas I feel like women kind of will do it whenever they want or just do it because they're looking for someone to be with. That's interesting. Right. I think well, it goes for both. I think it goes for both genders. Cause I hear, I hear a lot of uh, girls, uh, Ashley's friends, so on and so forth who say like, all my friends are married. When am I going to meet my guy? Uh, it's interesting because I, but I do agree with you. I think guys uh, get married because their friends are doing it. It's not like they want to get married. It's just they want to blend in. I have so much experience with that specifically too, is because some of like my best friends who have been in long-term relationships will like be um, like miserable in their relationships. And they're like, well, I don't want us to break up because all my friends are in relationships. And I'm like, (laughs) well, you don't want to be in a relationship because all your friends are in relationships. Like if you're miserable, leave the relationship. I, I fully agree that. Uh, guys are like very instinctive where they want to like, they want to be around the same page that their other guy friends yeah, are on too. Sure. So if they're in relationships, they all want to be in relationships. If they're all single, they all want to be single. So I, I yeah. fully agree with that. Yeah. It's interesting too, you know, for, for you guys going through that period of your like late twenties, early thirties, like what was your, like, what was a theme for you guys as far as dating? And then how have you learned to like apply those aspects of finding out who you are and really being more confident with yourself to your life now? Uh, how, Dean, do you want to start this one? <laughs> I'm trying to figure um, out how to articulate it without sounding like a complete douchebag. Well, it sounds like you already got the framework for it. So I say, own it. Yeah, just go for it. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, of course, a guy in his, you know, in your 20s, you know, it's like you want to go to beach clubs and you want to, like, like I I watched so many movies growing up about, like, you know, attending parties and hooking up with girls and, like, that type of Mm -hmm. lifestyle. Like, I wanted to be, you know, Stifler, you know what I mean? From American Pie, like, being the, like, the life of the party who, like, you know, whipped cream bikinis for everyone. Totally. Like, I was never that guy, but I always wanted to be like that guy. And so I think throughout my 20s, um, even though I still was never that guy, it, it was difficult for me to to um, to like really put myself out there with a lot of different women. Uh, it uh, I I think that was like what I was going for, and then it ended up being like seven years of just remaining single and never really developing a relationship with anybody, and then obviously uh, getting uh, entering a relationship with my now wife, uh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for God, well, a lot of guys, uh, I'm, I'm only speaking from experience, so I guess I don't really know. Uh, you think you have serious relationships up until you have an actual serious relationship. So like, up until I started dating my girlfriend now, Kaylin, uh, I always thought that like, I had like three, you know, quote, unquote, long term relationships that lasted a little over a year. And those were like serious relationships. But I didn't realize um, how, they were never shallow, and I, I I would never like to like minimize those relationships that I had because they were very important to me, of course. But like, um, they weren't as serious. They they don't like hold a candle to the relationship that I'm in now. And so I think that 
a lot of guys, you know, they they think, especially in their early 20s, like, and again, only speaking from experience, that like, you know, they have a girlfriend of a year plus and like, okay, this is like a serious, like committed, committed, whatever relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you don't realize until later on and until you start to like settle down with someone more or less uh, that you realize that the committed relationships that you thought you used to have aren't quite as serious as yeah, they it gives you perspective at the time you're like oh that was nothing it's kind of like to be fair a little bit like the bachelor where you sometimes go on this show and, and a lot of people fall in love after like two dates and then they look back and they're like maybe that wasn't love and maybe i was mistaking <laughs> that for lust not saying that's for everybody but we've mm-hmm. seen time and time again on the show where people are so immediate to just be like i love this person and then they look back yeah. and they're like maybe that wasn't love maybe i was crazy uh what about <laughs> what you? about yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. What? What about like a what woman's you, perspective on this? Yeah. What time? are your themes? Mm, yeah. Themes for, I think mine is like, for so long I would get into relationships trying to change the person, and I would be like, okay, he's amazing, but he needs to not wear polo shirts and khakis all the time. Or like, I was like, <laughs> you need to change his style, or he needs to be more deep, or he needs to meet me more emotionally, or we need to go on trips, or whatever the, the ideas that I had that I wanted him to be. I really let those go, you know, in my 30s and with the relationship, my fiance that I that I have now, when I realized um, after my parents separated, you know, my parents separated after being married for 33 years. And I'll never forget when my mom said to me in the car, she's like, you know, from the day I married your dad, I wanted to change him. And I was like, oh my God, you know, the whole relationship was really them trying to have these high expectations for one another and trying to change one another. And so in my relationship now, I'd really just try and let him be who he is and love him through that process rather than trying to change everyone because I'm not satisfied or I'm not communicating what I want or I'm really um, just focus on them and what they lack rather than what they really have. What about you, Lindsay? I relate to that so much. Um, but another theme for me was definitely um, kind of putting putting the power with whoever I was dating, meaning they decided what we were going to do. Um, I would always just have that be a default. So I'm someone who has a lot of interests. I am pretty dynamic in the way that I can be like very expressive and creative and very weird and I would kind of pull back on all those aspects of me because I felt like if I were to show all facets of who I was that it might scare this person away and I just felt that energetically I was like I don't know if they could hold this Mm -hmm. and so what I defaulted to was um yeah just giving them most of the you know decision making power and just feeling like they were like in control of everything and i really i dimmed my light in a lot of my previous relationships and the relationship i'm in now you know we've been together a little over a year but i've known each other for 8 years and what's been like the most beautiful part is just having him see parts of me that i'm like ugh ew and he's like i'm not going anywhere so okay (laughs) like it was just shocking to me i'm like you're not gonna leave me you're not freaked out he's like no like i am obsessed with seeing all parts of you like Mm -hmm. let's keep going and so it's been really healing because of how long i was kind of holding back on all those parts so what changed like did you did you have a decision in your head to say i'm going to be myself and then he'll either accept me or he won't or was your 
boyfriend is he your boyfriend or husband or, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah boyfriend like was he just more accepting of it which which resulted in you being more of yourself he's just like always seeking the truth and he could smell my bullshit <laughs> and i was like oh my god he sees that like and he could he was he was getting frustrated at times he's like I feel like you're just, you're not like being yourself in certain moments. And like, I just want to tell you that like you can. And if you feel a certain way, you can tell me and we can talk about it. I'm like a recovering people pleaser. So I just don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable around how I'm feeling. So it was actually his invitation to just like let her rip. And um, it's been cool because like, I see that it actually like makes our connection so much stronger every time those moments happen. And same for him. Like I want him to be able to, you know, just like lean into me and like fall apart if he needs to fall apart and, you know, express his frustration if he wants to express it and not have him worry about, oh, how, how is she gonna feel if I express myself truthfully? It's like, no, we can hold each other's truth. It's that, uh, it's that Thoreau quote uh, from, into the wild uh, with Alexander Supertramp. He says, rather than money, rather than love, rather than fame, give me truth. And it's so mm-hmm. funny, too, because uh, you, you were telling uh, that story. And I was like, I feel the same. Ever since I saw that movie and ever since I was like, Supertramp's the man. Uh, and Thrill obviously, is the man, too. I was like, mm-hmm. that is a quote that is absolutely worth living by. And I, I think a lot of that, too, kind of comes with like, it's almost gender agnostic in the sense where it's like not even just uh guys or girls that get into it but it's just like once you get to a certain age you're kind of just like i like i don't care about the frills like i'm gonna stop withholding certain parts of myself to please other people i like you just want to be yourself and have that person love you and appreciate you for that person like for yourself yeah yeah and i feel like you like at a certain point like your soul wants that the whole time Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden there's so much dissonance because you haven't allowed it to fully express that like you you just can't take it anymore and either something happens whether it's a breakup or a breakdown or what whatever and you have no choice but to like get real about it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, wearing the the mask in a relationship like that you know where you can't be your full self is exhausting and i think that's what happens a lot of times. And I think social media exacerbates that where it's like you essentially are connecting with other people's masks or other people's projections of who they want people to see them as. And it's like after a while that doesn't feel like real connection and people are lonelier than ever because we're really connecting with like this fake version of one another and it it's supposed to feel like real connection. Do you think so social think, media has helped or hurt dating? I, you know, I wouldn't. I know that's a very, very vague question. But but think about, like, we were talking about this the other day, where when we were dating in our early 20s, or even in our teens, like, you know, those high school romances, you would break up, and Krista told this story the other day, Mm -hmm. so pardon me for telling part of this, but it's like you would have that phone call where you're like, okay, we're done. Like, Mm -hmm. this is over. This is the breakup phone call. And you wouldn't, like, then go on Instagram and see them commenting Mm. on so-and-so's photo or see him or her in a photo with this other person and go down a rabbit hole of what have you. Like, there wasn't that information or opportunities to really 
go yeah. there. Yeah, you used to have to drive by someone's house in order to. Oh my god! Them. Now Dude. it's just a she did flick it. away. Story of my life, Ohio baby. Oh my god! In Ohio, we used to do that. We like, okay, we're just gonna like drive close to their house. See yeah, if just cars see if there's another front. car in the driveway. See if there's see another if car. Home. Like, and everyone in like I'm from a small town, so we knew everyone's cars. We knew everyone's plates. Like, you knew everything. Um, <laughs> But on that point, too, so we had a breakup expert on, you know, last week or so, and she was talking about like our brain on when we're dating and especially after a breakup and how a lot of times when we have a breakup with someone or when we're dating someone, when we're feeding ourselves with like the social media aspect of it, it's kind of like an addiction where you're like, okay, I'm going to get a like from a photo from them. I'm going to you know, see where they're at. I'm going to see who they're commenting on. I'm going to do all this stuff. And when you do break up with someone, or if you're trying to like move on to the next person, you really need to like go, go cold turkey. And social media makes it really hard to do that because it's just so tempting all the time. Yeah. yeah. I remember going through some, some breakups where I would like ask my friends to post stories <laughs> Oh knowing God, that this. my ex I was going to see the story and yeah. it's like the most it's like the most toxic crap too it's like that. unbelievable <laughs> that's like a very that's a beautiful thing that you just shared because i don't know <laughs> true, it's so of, real i don't it's know so if real. a lot of men would admit that but it and that's what i think about too i'm like i was like in the last time i was dating and i had a breakup it was like social media wasn't what it is so i was like doing facebook albums i was like i'm gonna take a photo in a bathing suit and post it in a facebook album and maybe they'll see it and <laughs> now it's so like immediate with stories and TikTok and all this kind of stuff like that would be so exhausting to keep up with like that trying to get your ex's attention all the time on social media like my gosh oh my How god do you with guys feel with Oh my god! I don't know if I'm Dude. like 80, aging myself by a couple of years, but MySpace, no. anytime like you were going through a difficult time in high school or like somebody wasn't responding, a girl didn't like you back. Like I would, I would make one of those song profiles. You had songs <laughs> on your profile and I'd make it like some love song some and be like, I hope she sees this song. and yes, know how, yes. how much I, I care about her and how I'm never going to find someone else like her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I remember like remember AOL away messages. Oh. I remember like you date people. See you later. And you if you were like in a fight, you'd like put an AOA message on, you'd be like just processing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, like go away for like a few hours for some reason. I would always be like thinking of you, like yes. whatever. And I'm, no one was, like, would know passively what was. Yeah. yeah, you them. never yeah. want to make your AOL away message BR like be right back or BRB. Mm-hmm. Like yes. no, that's too generic. Uh... You need like a movie quote or or song lyric. <laughs> or an inside joke. Yeah. My like my like main AOL memory is I remember there was this girl that I had a crush on, uh, and you know you would like sign on and you would see how many friends you have online, and then it would be like thirty online, eighty offline or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this girl that I had a crush on uh, was offline, and then all of a sudden I received a message from her, and I was like, "How did you just message me? It says you're offline." And she goes, "Yeah, I've hidden myself online, but I am still like talking to the people that I want to talk to. That way, people like, don't like reach cha-ching. out to me." And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> this is in, baby. This is this is escalating exactly how I want to escalate, dude. And it's um, amazing. I could just see like little you in your chair. You're like, <laughs> oh my oh, god, yes. it was like it was one of those spinny chairs too. So I would like push away from the desk and like spin a seven out of my legs like flipping out. And I was like, you know, you get back to the keyboard and you like recompose yourself. You take yeah, and you're like NMU. You're like not much. I was looking at that a yearbook that I had when I was home in Ohio. I was looking at the yearbook and I don't know why I was like in seventh and eighth grade. I'm like, so many guys were calling me sexy. I'm like, I are literally like 12. They're like, hey, sexy, have have a great summer. Hags. And I'm like, why is everyone calling each other like sexy when we're so young? Dude, hags is everything as well. Hags. 
What's hacked? Have a great summer. Have, Have a, a great, great summer, summer, baby. Oh. Come on. Jared Come never on. got his yearbook signed. Oh. I wasn't that popular, guys. Thanks for twisting the knife. You were. I'm, I'm curious with like your layer of being on TV mm-hmm. and The Bachelor, like as far as making dating harder, yeah. easier, and then on top of that being a presence on social media. This is like a bye interview. Sorry, like we're both. Going <laughs> no, it, it's good. It's funny. I, I actually I thought that after you got to ask the last question too, I was like, this is nice. <laughs> um, I'll I'll go first because I, I I have a distinct experience with this as, as well. And for the long time, I had like this weird uh, compulsory like um, I was like super insecure about it. And I thought for a while, you know, like you come off the stupid reality TV show uh, and you like accumulate, you know, a semi decent Instagram following. And then for like a good six to nine months, I would say, I would think that a lot of the girls that were interested in me were only interested in me because they were like, whoa, this guy's got, you know, half a million followers on Instagram or whatever it was. And I like uh, developed a pretty big like uh, inferiority complex over it. I was like, well, am I good enough for them? Or do they just like want me because they think it'll like bolster their own Instagram? Like, you know, like a bunch of like dumb stuff like that. Um that was something that I, like, I eventually worked, like I went to like therapy and like figured it all out. And like, Aww. like I said earlier too, like I, I just kind of like aged out of that whole thing. But there was like definitely a big uh, uh, fraction of, you know, the post experience where it was like, okay, what, like, what, how do I handle all this kind of stuff? But definitely. Uh, I don't know. Jared, what about you? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, it escalated the dating scene, uh, you know, going on a show and then coming off of it. Um I think for me, it was it was more I got lucky where I got a really good uh, edit on the show. Um, Not to say Mm. edit changes your character, but like they only showed all my good parts and never any bad parts. And so I think people had this idea of who I was and that created a little insecurity in me because I knew that I was not that guy. You know, I'm I'm born and raised Rhode Island. Like at the time I was managing restaurants like I, I made, you know. A, a very middle class income and and I you know I I was not rich and famous as people just assumed I was because I was on the bachelorette so that created a little bit uh, of an insecurity inside that I never really told anybody because I, I of course I wanted to be that person that they were looking at they were like in awe you know I could see how my friends treated me differently after I came off the show how everybody mm-hmm. just kind of got a little more starstruck around me and it was a great feeling but also definitely caused some anxiety because you know inside i'm like guys i like someday this will go away and i i'm i'm not gonna have a mansion uh i'm not gonna have a house by the water like i'm i'm very much gonna be just the same guy and i always got scared that people were gonna view that as failure um Mm -hmm. and uh but you know i mean the 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 good obviously outweigh the bad uh you know the very limited amount of people get the opportunity to dean to myself uh, had so I'm always grateful for it. Yeah, it's like almost like they need to support you guys with like therapy after, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because it's it's so much. Like you have so many projections, so many opinions. You know, your life is changing, your finances are changing. Like you have this whole thing happening to you, and that can be that can be hard to go through. You know, where it's like everyone's like, oh, they're doing amazing. They were on the Bachelor. Everything's perfect. This is incredible. They can have any person they want. Blah 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 blah. And it's like. No, you're still kind of the same person that's still working through these things, but now it's just amplified. And you see like the sadness that happens to people when they lose it. You know, because it's definitely an addiction to a drug. Yes. Well, that's why you see some of the collapses sometimes too. But so for you guys, so on the most recent episode of Almost 30 on your podcast, uh, to kind of tie it back into what we were just talking about, 
you talked a little bit about how you can heal yourself after traumatic breakup, right? So what kind of mm-hmm. advice would you have for our listeners? You know, obviously our listeners, if you really want the inside scoop, go back and listen to Almost 30 on, the, on, on wherever you get your podcast. But uh, what kind of tips would you have for someone that might be going through some sort of like difficulty with a breakup or something like that? Yeah, it was really fascinating to talk to. Um, Amy Chan was our guest for that one, and she wrote uh, Breakup Boot Camp. And, you know, one one thing that really stuck out to me that she has done on her retreats for women who have experienced heartbreak was um, write a letter of letting go. And I just think like having, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy, but like having like a ritual around that is actually like very important. And I think it can cut those energetic cords um, more effectively rather than just like hoping it goes away. So um, just a few things she recommends to write down is, um, you know, writing down your feelings without judgment. So like your feelings around that heartbreak, you know, are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you just really sad? Are you remorseful? Are you shameful? And not having any charge or judgment around that. Um, she also recommends um, talking about the lessons that they. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, listen, I'm thinking about our post that we posted. Yeah, yeah the lessons that you learned um, in the relationship. Because, you know, if I look back on all the relationships that I've been, I, it kind of makes me smile because I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, I learned so much with these guys. And sometimes I'm like, I wish I could just call them and be like, hey, thanks. Um, thanks so much for teaching me this. Um, because it's true. You know, I really I believe I believe in God. I believe in, you know, that everyone is brought to us as somewhat of a soul contract and for a reason. And so I think when you're in a relationship with someone, especially a romantic one, there is just some work being done, you know, like however hard or easy it might be. Um, let me pull up that post, but if you have things to add from that episode. Yeah, my, uh, so with her, it was really interesting to look at the effects on the brain. And I think we talked about that earlier. And what she mentioned was that we really have to do cold turkey with any communication or any, um, like watching them on social media or monitoring them. It's best if you just kind of cut it off because your brain has to sort of rewire from the oxytocin that you were receiving from that relationship. So cold turkey is really the best method. Um, And just before Lindsay finishes, my personal advice is just to really feel the feelings. Like just allow yourself to fully be in the moment of your feelings and also see it as like a beautiful opportunity for you to just completely reshape who you are and like come out like swinging as like the hottest best version of yourself however you want to express that i've always loved breakups because i'm like oh my god now's my chance where i can like create my dream life i have way more time i have way more energy to focus on me i have this like beautiful new road ahead of me that's only mine that i can create this like new life with all by myself and i would just add to that that letting go letter i really love this one it's this is what i take accountability for which you know i think in the moment of a of a breakup or a heartbreak it's like you don't really want to maybe declare like what responsibility you have it's you know a relationship is a two-way street so what do you take responsibility for um i think is an important part of the healing to see kind of what role that you played in the dynamic 
and can also help you as you move forward and also help you as you, you know, whether it's in therapy or just do daily reflections or even bring it into your meditation. It's just a way in which I've been able to get to know myself a little bit better. No, I, I think that's great advice. And I, I mean, I do similar things with uh, breathing techniques. Uh, I've been getting more into uh, taking 15 minutes out of the day and, and trying to center myself, um, which is something oh, I think we could all benefit from. But um, anyway, you guys are the best. Lindsay and Krista, thank you so much for joining us today. Unfortunately, our time is up, but we would love to have you back on because I feel like we could talk to you for hours on end. Thanks for having us. Oh my God, of course. So everybody listening, please check out the Almost 30 podcast. If you haven't already, you can get it anywhere podcasts are at. Now, Krista, I also know that you have a blog. It's Krista. Yes, it's (laughs) Krista.com. Yep. (laughs) That old old rusty blog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. What do we have going on? Um, yeah, we do we do our own separate stuff, which is really fun. But within almost thirty, actually, for your audience, I'm we're doing a um, I'm doing a program called the Sacredness of Being Single. So anyone who finds themselves in that season of their life, um, just from my experience, it, it was one of like v- deep transformation. And so I just want to support women um, who are experiencing that. I've talked to a lot of them over the years since I released an episode of the same name. So yeah, we're doing that starting starting in March. But yeah, Almost 30 is just everything you need to support you in your evolution. So, And then, I'm yeah. sorry, what was the name of the, the is it in the a new podcast that you have coming out talking about? So it's, a, it's actually a program. It's a six-week program, okay. um, small group where I'm just going to take women through um, six weeks of just walking back to themselves, you know, reconnecting and just feeling really really confident and trusting in like where they are in their life. Cause I think we spend so much time when we're single, wishing ourselves out of it and wanting to, you know, find that person or feel just more complete. And so I just don't want people wasting no, <laughs> the absolutely. time because it's really sacred. Enter the program. Yeah. So you can go to almost30.com and we have more information there as well as on our Instagram at almost30podcast. All right. Great. Check it out. Almost 30 podcast, almost 30 website and the Instagram. Everybody go check them out right now. Lindsay and Krista, thank you so much again. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thank you guys. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, well, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, but not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Everyone knows how much Dean and I love to travel, especially after enduring a Colorado winter. I'll take any chance I can to be in a sunny, beachy place right about now. Well, Kaylin, I have the perfect place we can travel to next. In Puerto Rico, there are nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline. And when it comes to photography, the landscape is unbeatable. I think I need to go there for a relaxing vacation before baby number two comes, which is great, but also I'm very nervous. Puerto Rico offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to beautiful black sand beaches. There's no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Help I Suck at Dating. Thank you for sticking with us this long. We are going to get to my personal favorite segment of the podcast every single week, the emails. Uh, And if I'm not mistaken, we have the lovely Mark Moholnitsky. Did I say that right? No, but I'll take it. I like it. I like putting <laughs> a hole you, in there. <laughs> did you, okay, we don't yeah, we don't need to get into the mispronunciation of that. Mark, what email do you have for us this well, week? Well, I like, like this from Amanda here. She says, I recently got into a new relationship and I've noticed that my boyfriend gets very squirmy around the subject of periods. Anytime it naturally comes up, he immediately changes the subject. The other day, he was going to the store and I asked him to pick up some tampons for me, and he refused. He also will not be intimate with me at all when I'm on my period. Are all guys like this, or is this something to worry about? How do you guys feel about period sex? And what about picking up tampons and pads at the store for your girlfriend or your wife? Uh, I think Jared's got more experience with... Well, I think both of you guys have more experience with this than I do, so I'll let you take it. Well, Dean, I want to know, have you done this? Have you picked up uh, lady uh, products for your lady? Uh, I don't think I've picked them up. I've been with her in the grocery store when we, when she's picked them up. So in an, in a you know like a third party kind of way, sure. Uh, it does not bother me in the least. I'm so over it. It's like especially now that we're trying to have kids, like we just have to have uh, some uh, conversations about uh, you know that 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 part of the the part of life that women have to go through. And uh, there's uh, you know some shedding and. Uh, some bleeding and you know that, that's just what happens and so as a guy i think uh, i've just become uh, accustomed to it have you guys talked about the mucus plug yet not yet we haven't gone that far great something to look forward to at least yeah that's a good tease for you um i don't know if this is a red flag i think i'm hoping this guy will mature a little bit he strikes me as pretty young but yeah i don't think any I don't care about any of those things. I'm all in favor of everything you listed right there. It's all fine with me. I think he'll come around, but I'm a little concerned that if he doesn't come around, when you do have a baby, what, is he going to be in another county? I mean, that's a really (laughs) serious situation that's not even close to what you're talking about. So I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's a red flag. And no, all guys are not like that. No, I would say like between me and Ash, like I'm the one that deals with uh, Lois, you know, our dog's vomit and poop and all that. She gets like squirmy about that, which makes me concerned. I'm like, are you going to feel this way towards our kid? Are you not going to change diapers? Let me tell you something. My wife had serious emetophobia 
before we had kids, which is the fear of vomiting and you don't want to be anywhere near it. And she warned me, when we have kids, you're dealing with the vomit. I'm so sorry. I just can't. And I said, fine. That's fine. No problem. When they become a mom, it all changes because those maternal instincts are so strong, it overpowers every other fear they have. So the first time one of her kids puked, she was all over it, took care of it, didn't even think about it. So I think Ashley will be fine. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's a win for you. (laughs) Please interject if you guys feel differently. I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I I agree uh, for the most part, but I don't agree on all things. Whereas Let's say, you know, Kaylin is, is having that, uh, that, that, that time of the month, right? And she's like, Hey, I need you to go to the store and get tampons. I would be like, absolutely. I'll be there. I'll be back in 10 minutes, whatever, whatever you need. I'm here for you. If you need to freaking scratch your back while you're, you know, you know, dealing with whatever you have to deal with, by all means, I'm right there with you. But the, the intimacy thing, I think is it's an okay thing to be a little hesitant, uh, to be intimate while that's going on as well, because uh, while the first thing, really only affects the the, the woman uh, a la amanda uh and the, and the man is just kind of stepping in to you know provide help if if and however he is able to the intimacy thing kind of includes both of them and so i think it's it's totally okay for him to kind of be a little bit more um you know uh not concerned but a little bit more abrasive to that than the other thing is, is that wrong to think because I kind of think that, in my opinion, that's you know, I, I wouldn't say I would, I would perfectly like, or, or or definitely like say no to anything intimately during that time of the month, but I would be a little bit less receptive to the idea than I would normally be. Well, to each their own, I think. I also am of the opinion that guys shouldn't be turning that down. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. Yeah, just take it whenever you can get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking if that's made available, you should take advantage of the situation because I also, but for other reasons too, I always feel like it. It messes with their head a little bit when you turn it down. Hmm. Speaking very broadly and generally, I do feel like it, um, it, it just seems to pack more of a wallop when it, when a woman gets turned down. Guys are used to getting turned down. We're turned down our whole lives in that regard. We're used to it. It yeah. doesn't often go the other way. So I, I, you know, but I understand what you're saying, Dean. I think that's, that's not unreasonable what you're saying. I have yeah, no comment. That's good. <laughs> well, oh, come on. Comment. <laughs> It's just like I, it's never bothered me. It really hasn't. Yeah. I've been lucky that it hasn't bothered me because I'm sure that it causes, like Mark said, some insecurities, some conversations that need to be had. I haven't had to have them because, like, mm-hmm. it's just it's never been something that I'm gro- grossed out by. I also have never been like inhibited by it, but I I just want to at least make it clear that I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they, you know they're a little hesitant to jump into something that maybe they're less familiar with. And I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily as much of a red flag as not willing to pick the, they're not willing to pick up tampons. That's a red flag. Yeah. But they're not willing to be intimate is, is a, a very, you know, it's a light shade of pink. Uh, it's not quite as red. It, it's, it's just, a, it's a little bit more understandable in my opinion. That's my take on that's it. That's fair. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All right. Anyways, that's going to do it. We don't have a whole lot more time, so we can only get to one email. Amanda, thank you so much for emailing us. We we appreciate it. We hope that helps shed a little bit of light onto the situation that you might be dealing with. Um, anyways, of course, thank you to Krista and Lindsay from Almost 30. Uh, be sure to check out their podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts and check out their uh, blogs as well. Jared, what else do you have for us That's before we it, part my ways friend. this week? Thank you, Dean, for you being you. That's all I got. That's all I need. Hey, that's all I got as well. If that's all you need, that's all I got. 
Uh, so let's just let's keep this train rolling. Mark, thank you so much for your for your wise words as always. Um, Jared, you're the best. I will see you guys next week where maybe we will suck just a little bit less. Follow Help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. On Thursday, February 29th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you can celebrate an extra day of Black History Month with Walmart. This event is free and open to the public at two locations, Flatiron Plaza in New York City and Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's the perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free, it's for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.